0: So I wanna welcome everyone to Prisma Podcast Live. My name is Elliot Rabin and I'm Prisma's Director of Thought Leadership. This program gives a platform for people to learn in depth about innovative initiatives at work in Jewish day schools. We're going to start with a presentation about the featured program, continue with a conversation exploring the program and its wider implications and end by fielding questions from the audience. For today's first episode, we are delighted to welcome Rabbi Tully Harstar, the founding principal of SAR High School in the Bronx and Dean of Machon Siach, the subject of today's talk. Among his many accomplishments, Tully is a recipient of the 2017 Covenant Award for Excellence in Jewish Education. His talk is titled, The School as Thinking Institution. Slides for this talk are available on the podcast page on our website. Early in my experience working in our field, one head of school told me that we should have schools that are R&D sensors, research and development, experimenting on new educational methods that can benefit not only the school itself, but also the entire field. Machon Siach, I think, is one effort to create such an R&D center. After his presentation, Tully will be joined by Josh Gold, who is the middle school principal at Hafter in Lawrence, New York, and the host of Prisma's podcast series, Startup Day School.
1: I want to begin by uh, describing the origins of the idea, how this came to be. and say that uh, for myself, I went into uh, the field of education because I uh, really enjoy teaching kids, learning with kids, spending time with them, and moved into the area of administration because the possibility of uh, both thinking about uh, larger ideas, larger educational ideas, and how to wire them into the life of the school, kind of think about uh, from the biggest ideas to the nuts and bolts of making a school system, a school work, was really of uh, great interest and excitement. Uh, one of the things that I found over the course of uh, my years, uh, particularly this is the 19th year of SAR High School and um, really throughout, I would say that in the earlier years, the focus was on making sure that the school got running and was standing as an institution. At some point, it became clear that uh, while our focus, as it should be, was on pedagogy, curriculum, caring for individual students and for the community of, of kids, uh, there were a lot of larger questions that were important for the educational culture of the school. Our, our role as uh, teaching the next generation of kids kind of being leaders, educational leaders in a changing world. Um, I want to just raise three examples, three uh, examples of topics that came uh, to us and that we found ourselves always thinking about. One, you know, we're a, we are a Relatively young school. And still, I would say that over the course of the years, education has changed dramatically um, because of technology. Not only uh, educational technology, but our students' lives have changed dramatically. And the world is shifting rapidly uh, under our feet because of it. In terms of the scholarship that is out there, when we think about it, you know, that there are uh, psychologists and sociologists, uh, different professionals, scholars, scholars out there who are doing research. And publishing on the on the topic, uh, but what does it all mean for us in our particular school environment? That is, um, we can go day to day and week to week and year to year without having the time to think carefully about what does, what does this all mean and how do we have to shift the way that we're teaching our kids uh, because of uh, what they can be aware of on their own, what they're exposed to, what the possibilities are for them educationally, or to take a different example, teaching how to teach Israel. Events in Israel are changing on a regular basis and uh, what it means to teach Zionism in 1975 is different than in 1995, which is different in 2021. And that also takes time to think about what should change, how to consider is very charged topic obviously there's so many perspectives and opinions and students feel differently teachers feel differently from each other and the parent community as well um which is moving in such a fast fast pace pace. uh, and it is our uh, job as educators to be able to tackle those issues in a meaningful kind of way i think that there are two things that i would want to, to point to one actually has to do with the kind of the psychology of uh what it means to be a teacher an educator in a high school um, and also the infrastructure question. Um, as educators, we tend to think that we are not experts. We're experts in our curricular areas, but we are not experts in the fields. Uh, I, I'm not an expert in Israel education in, the, in, in Israel in terms of Israel Israel politics. Um, I uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a political expert. I'm not going to change the landscape uh, in Israel, but I am responsible for what's being taught uh, to our Children and the impact that that's going to have on the next generation. And that is an expertise of its own. And creating the opportunity for um, educators and experts to join together and to have teachers develop themselves as thought leaders is something that is um, felt really important. Um, And that led us to uh, thinking about the importance of finding, um, providing teachers with time to learn together, to research and to write. And uh, if I could put it into concrete terms, I would say that it is common for university professors. um, I don't know if my uh, data points are exactly right, but you allow me to say that uh, as a as a professor in university, teach 25% of the time and research 75% of the time. And as a high school teacher, the assumption is that we have to prepare our classes, uh, but basically 100% of the time is dedicated to our classes, and there's not really space. Um, And obviously the argument here is not for uh, university professor life to, uh, that's what high school teaching should be like, or um, elementary school teaching for that matter, but it is an argument for providing um, structure for um, educators to think broadly, to see themselves as experts in the arena of translating scholarship that's out there for use in the classroom, and to see themselves as thought leaders that can um, actually have what to share because the high school is this nexus of uh, community of generations and of school and community and and shul. Um, And there's a very important role to play. And the last thing I'll say before moving to some of the specifics of uh, the program is uh, I think it's important for recruitment. It has important possibilities for recruitment and retention of teachers. One of the unique characteristics of the teaching profession is that there's no clear uh, career growth path. Uh, A teacher can become an administrator, which is really shifting the kind of work that he or she is doing, um, and can become a more veteran teacher. But there are areas and ways in which this can actually help teacher growth um, in a very meaningful kind of way. So all of that pushed us in the direction of trying uh, to create the research arm of our school, uh, which we've called Machon Siach at SAR High School. Um, This, we can talk a little bit more about this later on, but uh, it is, we are honored. It's it's an honor for us The Machon Siach is honoring the memory of Bellevue K. Lindenbaum's who was a leader in the community in so many ways. And uh, a gift from the Lindenbaum family allowed us to actually get started with this project and um, was also supported by a matching grant uh, from uh, UJA, uh, Gift to our endowment and that allowed us to get uh, to get going we at this point we've been working on this for about four years three or four years um and and have arrived at to show the four areas of research that uh we are working on but driven by the following mission statement Mahan-siyah seeks to shape the high school into a thinking institution by empowering teachers to meaningfully engage topics in modern orthodox education bridging theory and practice in order to strengthen our capacity for living a committed and observant Jewish life while engaged with the broader world in our contemporary moment. Uh, I think the key for us is thinking about bridging theory and practice, giving time to do that kind of research, but actually having it make a difference on the ground, uh, but creating a a space where that kind of thinking can happen. We have uh, begun, we, we are working now in four uh, distinct kind of areas for us. The faculty Beit Midrash is where it all starts. We gather uh, groups of teachers uh, who are interested in a, um, a topic that they'd like to work on together. And uh, the notion of a Beit Midrash is co- uh, one of collaborative learning. Some of the topics are juda- focused on Judaic studies, some of them are uh, general culture of school. Then we call the faculty bait with Josh because it is about uh, creating a space for teachers to learn together, um, create shared language, and then go off and work on separate uh, research projects. Usually, a cohort will work for about a year uh, together and then spend a second year uh, working on their individual project. We've uh, uh, generated about 25 papers so far. Uh, we're in the process of developing an innovation lab to try to take some of those ideas and create a framework for implementation, small-scale experimentation of the life of, uh, of the school. Um, so if someone has a curricular idea or a new, uh, a new, a new project for tefillah in, in school, that is one minyan that's gonna try something different, um, or in my class, I'd like to do an ungrading project, which to do that across the school is uh, you know, obviously very destabilizing. But to think about how to how to do an experiment within my classroom, and the idea of the innovation lab is to provide support uh, and mentor mentorship for a number of a smaller number of participants in the faculty of Beit Midrash for uh, teachers to be able to experiment, um, uh, put put forward a proposal, experiment, gather data uh, at the end of the project, and then see where it takes us. Uh, what we found is also having parents and alumni involved in education, educational discussions is enriching for parents create stronger partnership and the alumni create stronger partnership and actually provides us feedback. Again, referring to, back to an earlier example, when you talk about you know, Israel education or gender and sexuality, um, or how to teach race in, the, in school, Having faculty talk to each other is really important. Having parents as part of that conversation is equally important. And having a feedback loop with uh, young adults is uh, helpful as well. Here, we basically work in small in cohorts of about 20 um, a year, both in the Macomba SIAC, which is a parent program, and SGF, which is a young adult uh, program. These are young professionals. Um, and finally, the SIAC Collaborative is, um, as I mentioned before, the idea of participating... Or drawing expertise, uh, bringing experts uh, to care about what's happening in the high school, in the in the school setting in general, is really important. And there's a lot that can be gained by a partnership. Um, very often, uh, you know, the educators are expert in the classroom, but will be enriched by the scholarly expertise in a particular arena, and the scholars in a particular arena can bring what uh, they know to. Uh, actually, have very practical um, and concrete impact by having bringing it to schools and having educators able to translate uh, that uh, kind of knowledge for use. And so, we've been working with Center for Middle East Peace on Israel education. Uh, we've have a project on substance use, and we're working on developing a project to bring Israel and Israeli diaspora administrators uh, together. So, those are the the basic components, which each of which we are uh, working to grow out and uh, develop, um, three of those, the Faculty bait madrash, Midrash, Makomba and Siach Collaborative are up and running. The Innovation Lab is in its uh, development uh, stage at this point, and what I'd like to do now is to sh- just share two examples uh, with you. There's one that's an outgrowth of the Faculty bait madrash, and one that is uh, an outgrowth of the Siach Collaborative. Um, I could be talking about, just to give a list of what kinds of topics the faculty made me Josh worked on in the past. Um, We have a group working on grading. Know that grades create tremendous uh, anxiety. And for high school, the transcript heading towards college drives so much of what happens in schools. But grading is uh, a topic. Israel education, as I mentioned, we have a group that's working on uh, how to make Gemara texts make sense. Uh, We have a group working on spirituality. I'd like to talk for a moment about a group that gathered to talk about sexuality. The challenge is here as well, uh, that the ground is constantly changing. Um, I think that when I went to school, uh, talking about sex in my yeshiva high school, it basically did not exist at all. I think now there's more of such uh, conversation happening, but with social media and all that's coming with that, uh, kids' experiences, it's important for us to understand what kids are experiencing, and to have time to, uh, again, unpack and think think about that. Uh, what we wanted to do was create a, a Jewish sexual ethics curriculum is uh, where it landed for us. One, that would be interdisciplinary, that would be conversationally, but also uh, textually based. For us in our uh, modern Orthodox world, too often the discussion around sex is focused on things that are not permitted. So you are not permitted to until you're married, basically everything is a no. And that doesn't make for productive uh, and purposeful conversation. And it's not acknowledging where students are at in terms of uh, what they are exposed to and what their social lives are like, which is not to say that uh, all students are, are you know, sexually active and certainly not in the same way. It is to say that we need to talk in an affirmative uh, way about what Judy is for to teach about sex. Now, That's the kind of thing that takes time uh, to to learn about, to think about, to talk to each other. And there's an awful lot of nuance that goes into being able to manage that properly in a classroom. So the arc of such a a project uh, takes time. The different papers that were produced from a group that spent some time uh, learning about uh, really just diverse areas of Jewish sexual ethics There were five papers that were produced, and uh, one of our faculty members, one, uh, two, I guess, worked together to create uh, first a curriculum and then a revamped curriculum. I want to just give you a sense of the table of contents. This is a 10th grade curriculum that meets twice a week. It's not grade-based. It's the only grade students get for this is uh, what we call an investment in learning grade, uh, which is about their involvement um, and positive, you know, positive involvement Uh, and responsible involvement in the class uh, discussion. Sexuality is part of ethical development, talking about hookup culture and casual sex. Uh, Consent uh, and rape abuse in Jewish law, Uh, a lot of the ideas around consent um, and what it means to uh, have positive, intimate relationships exist in halacha in the context of a couple already married, often we don't focus on those because they 're about after marriage, but they actually teach uh, towards a very positive uh Jewish ethics in terms of um and they can be used in such a way uh premarital sex, yichud, pornography, masturbation, and overall sexual values of Judaism. We have at the end of the program at the end of the curriculum a set of takeaways that we like for students to know that at the end of the day this is what we are trying to achieve what we're trying to communicate, which is a positive, Judaism has a positive sense of sex, that sniut and mazdi can be positive ideas, that the challenges of managing one's drives is really difficult, and people will make mistakes, but shame is not uh, useful, um, guilt is not really useful, there are other ways to manage it. Putting all of this um, out there on the table uh, for discussion, the Idea is that having open conversation, kids feeling, they're talking to each other uh, about this a lot. They're not necessarily talking with their teachers. And uh, as uh, as studies have shown in America, they're not really talking with their parents about it that much either. Creating a space to have positive discussion is really important. I want to quickly just go to another example, which is a, a product of a collaboration of uh, some of our educators here at SAR and some other administrators from other schools. Again, going backwards, the idea of substance use was not really discussed uh, openly when I was in high school. I think that uh, over the past uh, you know, 25 years, it became more of a discussion, an open discussion. People acknowledge that it exists. Um, it's uh, harder to figure out what to do about it. We were experiencing a lot of uh, kind of uh whack-a-mole, some you know, some, some disciplining, some bringing in speakers, some education. Um, but the the question that we wanted to raise is, is there something that can be achieved through a collaborative, bringing different school bring the schools together and using our collective leverage to try to create uh, or shift culture somewhat? We convened about twelve um, educators. Uh, to just explore this and said, would you come for eight meetings in a summer? And um, from the very first, we didn't know where it would go, but from the first meeting, we discovered a a public health project in Iceland. And we ended up exploring a similar, whether there was a similar kind of project in the United States, which we found in University of Washington, which is funded by the NIH. And it is basically a public health approach. It tries to shift culture um, by bringing the whole community on board. Um, one of the steps of uh, shifting this, uh, kind of the, of taking on this public health effort is data gathering, knowing exactly where the community stands. So we did um, two years in a row, a, a substance use survey. This is a survey that's been administered 300,000 times or so by uh, Bach Harrison, a company out of Utah and developed at the University of Washington. We got about um, 19 or 20 schools um, from the modern Orthodox circle of uh, yeshiva high schools to participate in the survey. There were 3,372 students that did the survey. 2,483 were considered um, valid. That means that they were tested for, these are professional um, pressly designed surveys that they would throw out they had some you know fake questions in there and the uh, surveys that seemed uh, faulty so a seventy three point six response rate means that those were considered valid surveys, which is uh, significantly above the sixty percent that is required and then two thousand and twenty shows similar kinds of numbers uh, twenty a little bit lower in terms of the it was right before covid um, and those are the numbers of participants students um, and the Response rate of the survey. I'd like to take just briefly give you a sense of how the gathering the data, what what that could look like, um, and how that can inform our own understanding of of uh, how to intervene. Um, the the teal colors is the first survey that we did, 2019. It says 2018 at the bottom, but that's just kind of a dating uh, thing. The the dark royal blue is the 2020 survey. The diamond is uh, the United States Knight of the National Institute of Drug Abuse does a national survey every year on these matters. And this is the, the yellow diamond is where the cut where the United States falls overall. Uh, the two things I would point out first is the remarkable similarities between one year and the next. These are two different groups of students, 10th and 12th graders from 2019, 10th and 12th graders from 2020. So These are two entirely different groups of students. But the graph match graphs match remarkably, uh, strikingly, and what it does is it allows us to see where we stand. Um, if I would ask an average parent, they would probably think that the biggest issue is, um, that, you know, they'd be very concerned about marijuana. I'm Not sure that our numbers are where we would like it to be, but it's definitely significantly below the national average. But if you look at the um, alcohol numbers and the binge drinking numbers, you are significantly above the national average. That basically gives us a sense. And the professionals that we talked to said, okay, your community clearly has an alcohol problem. Uh, You have to figure that out. They also test for protective factors. You can see uh, if you're kind of scanning the bottom that in religiosity, uh, which is considered a protective factor, it ensures it works towards the advantage of making sure we have a safe environment for our kids. And um, we are very high in those numbers. We were extremely surprised to find that the one area that we were below the national average is in rewards for pro-social involvement from the school. We think actually that we are probably great about, you know, we're warm places. We, we, we have good relationships with our kids, uh, relatively small school size schools compared to public schools. And yet students are responding again, both years, same thing saying that we're not giving positive reinforcement to our students. Our gut explanation for that is we have so many expectations for our kids that uh, we, we end up, they always feel like they're falling short, or we criticize them for not doing what they should be doing at the avenue, much more than praising them for what they are. That's something that when we understand ourselves, you should work on much more. But just if you look towards the right, you'll see that the rewards for antisocial behavior from peers is also an area we are above the national, the national average. In the context of what we're talking about today, these are both efforts that one bringing school uh, educators together within our school, um, another that is uh, you know both within our school and collaborating with experts and other administrators. Let's try to invest some time to understand it and figure out how to make our schools better. Um, our school is a space for learning. Can you really make a big difference? I will just uh, finish by saying that the opportunity to do this. Um, has been tremendously enriching um, for the participants in the group. And I think in a slow and trickling down way, it's actually impacted the life of our school as well in a very meaningful way.
2: Thank you uh, Elliot and thank you Prisma, for creating such a such a valuable space for this kind of conversation and thank you, Rabbi Harstark, for filling the space with such meaningful uh, content and uh, really the the goal here is to bring um, you know such great and progressive and new uh, and i would say like landscape pushing ideas uh to the fore. so thank you so much for for doing that so uh, just a few questions after the presentation um, and again, thank you so much for it. How does, how do you fund this program? Teachers are stretched so thin, um, budgets are stretched so thin, in so many schools. How do you allocate funds to make sure that this is uh, supported financially? And also, how is this uh, sort of a model scalable potentially for other schools?
1: Yeah, it's important. Uh, the, the, the funding, I have to express gratitude. Uh, I, 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 I try too often, and this is a uh, The the Lindenbaum family, as I mentioned earlier, gave a a significant gift to our uh, endowment. Um, And the uh, UJA at the time was uh, doing a two to one uh, match on that endowment gift. And so the way that, uh, you know, the the pitch that it put forward was here's a way, if we take the money that is uh, thrown off by that endowment every year and invested in this kind of programming it's basically a commitment on the part of the school to say that this is important but is not op- is not affecting the operating budget of the school in terms of the programs that uh that were, were that we're running it was the board's decision and commitment to say that our administrative staff uh can divert some of its time to doing this and we had to make sure that that, that, that was a commitment of, of the school to allow for that because it means uh, not only is it finan- finances in terms of the you know how, how do you pay for it but there's also resources in terms of the time that it takes uh, to do that and um, kind of the understanding was making on that front having more faculty members kind of allowing for growth in different areas in the school uh, it, it, it the expansion allows for growth all around. So, some things that we've done that by an administrator that might now be done by a faculty member taking on a project that opens up space for the administrator to now think about how to move some of these projects forward. So, time, space, and funding are all obviously really important. And you had and, said that. And it, so far, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was, was going to say, and so far, I feel like we've been, um, you know, I don't think that we've created a model in the long term yet for this. I feel like we've created an opportunity to it still feels a little bit like stealing time in order to be able to make it happen. But it's actually even that has made a meaningful difference. And we're learning as we go.
2: So, on that note, how have teachers received it so far? And also, you had said that institutions, uh, uh, colleges, universities are often 75, 25 in terms of time spent researching versus time spent in the classroom. What has the model brought itself so far with you in terms of how they, how, what that ratio looks like? And where do you see that going?
1: The reality is that the model now is an add on to uh, what teachers are doing for the most part. Uh, that means that it, we, we assume. Uh, we we ask teachers to uh, dedicate between eighty and hundred hours a year to this. That could mean a couple of hours, you know, two hours a week, um, and working on a project over the summer. Meaning some of those more open times. Um, this becomes part of their uh, kind of the rhythm of their work. And so, um, one of the things I think it's important is that as a school in general. Department meetings and uh, collaborate, teacher collaboration is something that's been important to us. So, this becomes another type of teacher collaboration. One of the the significant questions for us is how to do this without it impacting or, you know, taking the bite out of the regular program of the school. Um, And I think that slowly, as we take steps, we figure, we kind of figure out, again, as I said, mostly right now it is an add-on and, um, and teachers are doing it because they feel a sense of growth that comes from it and it is I would say stipended not salaried um, in terms of how we um, uh, support uh, teachers um, in, the, in the practice. And um, I'm not sure actually how I see, where I see it going. At some point initially I imagined it being a portion of the teacher's day uh, I mean, they might reduce their teaching in order to do some of this work. Um, I would say that that's an open question for all of the, for all of the reasons. That's both the you know, uh, financial um, challenges that presents, but also in terms of the model. I think that a lot of people, people go into teaching because they actually want to teach. That's what they like to do. They want to spend time with kids. And this is an opportunity for growing as a teacher, not for shifting into another kind of work. So I had a certain assumption we started. It's been, it's shifted. didn't start there for practical reasons. And it is, I think, shifting a little based on how I'm experiencing it on the ground. So,
2: yeah. Sure. And this, when we set up professional learning communities in schools, part of the reason that we do that is the professional development of teachers. But a big part of why we do it is also modeling for students what it looks like to collaborate with uh, with each other. Have you seen students respond to this model positively? How have they received it? And also, what role do you see students playing in this model in the future?
1: The initial, the core idea is for this to be a space where teachers can learn together in a way that can ultimately affect students, but it's really important. You know, sometimes on the funding side, the first question is how will this affect students? Will it affect students? Some of the issues that we're talking about it, are issues that create anxiety if, when raising it, the first Thing you're thinking about is what are you going to be bringing to students? I would like our teachers to be able to think about questions of uh, gender or spirituality or Israel education or technology in a a kind of way that it's don't worry, we're not bringing this to the classroom yet. First, we're just learning together and we are putting ideas out there for other people to be able, other educators to respond to and share their feedback to create a discourse around that. Now, so on that level, kids are actually outside of that space. We have brought some of the work to students. For example, just the substance uh, uh, work they showed before. I've brought that to numerous classes. They are absolutely fascinated by it. We have not created yet a structure of how to bring kids into some of the. Some we have a group working on grades and grading now. Students are going to have to be involved in some of those experiments. The teacher, a couple of teachers, are trying out things in class, and they're saying. Listen. This is an outgrowth of work that we've been doing, and as members of this group, and this is what I want to try. And kids feel brought into that, and that's a great, uh, great experience. Actually, we know in cultures of schools sometimes, you know, a couple of teachers have said that things have come up in their class, and students have said, "Well, that's a machon siach kind of question." When a student says that's a machon siach kind of question, that's uh, I said, like if we yeah. get made fun of on Purim, you know, for that's like a sign of achievement. You know, you've, you made it, it's penetrated their consciousness in a way that that's uh you know, that's, that's what we're shooting for.
2: Right, right, right. And it, and it sounds to me like um, it's, it's in the lexicon kids are talking about it. And that's such an important part of the campaign rollout of something is that people are taking it seriously and it's part of part of the rhetoric, right? Um, yes. Have you gotten any pushback from parents or the broader community about once we're now positioning teachers to be researchers and potentially publishers of editorials position papers things like that that whatever goes out there is not necessarily endorsed by the school or maybe it is have you gotten any pushback about that kind of angle
1: we've been we've been putting out our work uh, slowly and kind of as uh last year we put out 10 essays one one basically about once once a month over most of the school year um i think that to be honest in this forum i'd say that there's a uh, uh in in rolling it out and letting people see the kind of work I think that uh we've been more on the conservatives I guess we haven't been looking to be provocative in terms right. of what we're putting out and some things uh and that's part of the learning path that we're that we're taking so I would expect uh you know ultimately that there would be some kind of pushback. I think that when the Siach develops its own identity, meaning it's a space that is Connected to the school, but separated off in terms of it being that safe space there that, that would be more possible but just in the world of education, I feel like one of the differences between maybe the key difference in you know, education and academic scholarship is the just the pract- all the different forces that are at play in terms of being able to you know kind of figure out how to be able to make this um, make this happen so uh we're we're taking that side of it slowly, honestly,
2: yeah. Uh, t- uh, totally now if I'm a school uh who might want to dip a toe into this sort of like academia arm of my own practice in my own institution, what advice might you have for us for things you've learned through this process engaging with teachers engaging with students parents the broader community what advice would you give a school either a small school a big school if they're thinking about going down this
1: path? I think you know, there was a short time in my uh er- earlier in my career where I was a shul rabbi for uh for about five years and um, i think that uh very happy with uh the path that i took but there's something about that role that it's actually that comes to mind when i think about this um when you think about a community rabbi uh, you the community leader is thinking about all aspects of uh what's important for the constituents um and i think that as a, a school leader thinking in those terms Sometimes uh, kind of the management of the day-to-day can take over and thinking broadly, like keeping eyes open for opportunities, questions, things that, uh, you know, there, there's always that urgent and important distinction. Like that the things that are important are actually worth paying attention to, but also there's a little bit of a self-image issue that I think is important. And there's the way that, that an educator is going to think about it because you're talking to kids um, and because you're thinking about parents it's It has its own um, kind of balance, and thinking about that is really important i would I would say that there are small circles of culture that need to be developed in order for that to grow, meaning within here I'd say that within the, within our administrative team starting to have having conversations about bringing some of those issues, whatever the issue might be in a particular school, to the table to actually you know to talk about it and then say well. How can we learn more I mean, to, to lean into those questions rather than put them to the to the side, see them as uh, responsibilities uh, of ours and that we have that. It's, it's our expertise, actually, in terms of how to translate that into the life of the school. I think that means making uh, that kind of thinking part of the culture of the school. And the, I think the school leader has capacity to think, if that makes sense, as uh, kind of the school rabbi in that way, like uh, right. just broadly conceiving of the role.
2: Amazing. I, I completely agree. Uh, I want to I think it's probably the right time now to transition to the open Q&A portion with other uh, folks uh, from Facebook. But I, I just want to say, uh, Tully, this has really been enlightening. I think it's an amazing model. And I think uh, this is really um, pioneering a path that others can potentially follow, too, um, in a way where it's not just going to be at SAR when people say that's a Siach type of question uh, in other places, too. Uh, and really, the work you're doing is great. Um, and so thank you again for sharing that with us. And I thank you for Prisma for creating the space for this kind of dialogue and, and this kind of work to be shared. Thank you.
0: Thank you, thank you so much, Josh. I'm going to uh, start with a question, uh, kind of a broad question that I have. How do you evaluate the program and who evaluates the program? Is it, is it you, do you have a committee? How, do, how does that work?
1: Um, we are now in the, uh, just putting together an advisory uh, a committee uh, that will meet on a quarterly basis. I think, you know, this is again in its um, infancy. So for us, the evaluation, there are, I guess there are levels of evaluation. We have, uh, you know, parent programming. And so how many people sign up? You know, there there's some raw numbers kinds of things that uh, we can use to evaluate uh, certain kinds of programming. Um, as an example, we uh, we started up, up the uh, it's called the Siak Graduate Fellowship. It's one of the Macomba Siak programs where you have alumni and uh, young adults. This is basically for the community of 20-somethings before they're settled into their more permanent communities, engaging them in the conversation. So we try to gather a cohort of about 20 uh, people. When we have, uh, this year we had uh, about 60 applicants for those 20 spots, when young adults who are, these are, you know, working pe- professionals who are interested in spending time talking about um, rabbinic authority, money materialism and type of things like that, that's very positive feedback when you get, uh, you know, the cohorts together. In terms of the particular faculty work, so when we send it out, we actually, you know, we can, we can look at numbers of uh, how many people are opening emails and readership, et cetera. Um, but we also need to develop other mechanisms of, um, of evaluation. And I think part of the Innovation Lab idea is to have teachers try things out and uh, get responses from what they're actually doing so that we can kind of see on the ground what's, what's implementable and what isn't. Um, so I, I would say that different programs allow for different types of feedback loops.
0: I have a question about sharing your materials and relationship more generally with other schools have you have you been able have you shared any of your curricula perhaps your study more publicly with with other schools have schools asked to receive any of the fruits of uh what you're producing and and then more broadly how has this work um Impacted your those SARS relationship with other schools in the area? Has has that has there been a culture change in terms of the level of cooperation
1: uh, among the schools? Uh, I think that one of the questions that is kind of live for us in sorting out the the, the idea of shaping this as how to make the high school into a thinking institution is um, our, our focus is. Um, kind of the, the scalability of uh, you know when we, when we dream about the scalability of the idea it is it is not about having um, one space which will kind of reach out to other schools although those relationships are important it's more that lots of schools should be thinking in this way so that we can actually work together and share so far we've put our information you know whatever has been produced uh, a, a meaningful chunk of it we put out um, that we have a website. Uh, we have not set up um, a distribution mechanism outside of the school community to this point. Um, we've only been doing that within the school community. But the website is actually open and um, and and public. And I again to be, you know, to kind of honestly work through some of the the tension points. The, the way in which this would work best is not like we've created material we'd like, to, we're happy to share it. But the idea is that we should all be kind of thinking and responding to each other. And so this is like a first foray into trying to um, kind of uh, think about and put into practice that kind of idea in the, in the hope that this would generate, you know, discourse across institutions um, in, that, uh, in that kind of way. That would be the, you know, the, I guess, highest achievement from our end.
0: Terrific. Um, We have a question about uh, teachers. Um, How have you found teachers uh, responding to this program? Is it uniformly exciting or or have there been any drawbacks uh, among the faculty? Yes.
1: So there are um, what we have found is that uh, there are some teachers who are interested in this kind of work and there are some teachers who are uh, I like the idea of focusing on their classroom and both for practical considerations and also for the kind of work that they like to do or less um, inclined to do this type of work. Um, and that's resulted in, in, in two things. One, it has been and is important to, to do the best we can. We can do better in terms of engaging Um, um, the broadest expanse of our faculty in in a way that, you know, we always have to make sure that this feels like an inclusive type of project not uh, something that's exclusive. And managing that, thinking about that carefully is very important. Um, But we also would like to have uh, teachers have a point of entry. One of the ideas of the Innovation Lab, one of the ways in which that's important is to allow teachers who might not be inclined to spend a lot of time reading long you know, scholarly essays or writing a, a paper, but do have uh, a, a project that relates to what we're working on that they would like to implement. Um, the, the concept of the innovation lab is to allow for two you know, angles of entry, one that would be an outgrowth of work that was done as part of the cohort and another that could be just an outgrowth of a teacher's experience and saying, I actually would like to try this and here's what I'm, I'm proposing so that actually came from our learning the different reactions and dispositions that the teachers have to this kind of work and then trying to figure out how to support all of those different leanings you know those who are into all of that uh, you know academic like type of work and those who just want to work on some new ideas in their teaching and those who are actually are are happy that it's happening but are, are not inclined to be involved. Our, our hope would be that uh, having, you know, having about close to half of the faculty members involved in some form or another is uh, what feels like a reasonable uh, place for us to be.
0: Super. I have another question uh, about uh, the teachers, the impact on teachers. Thinking of the work of Mahon Siach as comprising three categories content pedagogy, and pedagogic content skills. What proportion of the work is devoted to each?
1: I I would say that the idea is is least focused on the pedagogy, on the assumption that we have professional development programming in the school and other arenas where where that happens. And it's much more focused on um, pedagogic content skills. On the one hand, I also want to broaden it out to cultural kinds of questions. I mean things that are important in the life of the school that exist outside as well as inside and between the cracks in the classroom. How, you know, how Davening happens or how much anxiety there is in the life of the school or what it means to be a teenager today is no specific teacher's responsibility. Um, in terms of, you know, it's not a, it's not a math question or a Tanakh question. And those types of things also are, are very important. For us, I think those are, you know, parts of that are what we feel are the most overlooked. They're most central to students' experiences and uh, don't really have a clear space for teachers to be thinking about it, about those.
0: So, part of the goal of this is to to drive change in the school at different in different ways within the classroom and. In the faculty lounge and in the larger culture of the school, I'm wondering if you could just talk to one or two changes, no matter how small or big, that you've seen since this program has been underway.
1: There are certain curricular changes that have taken place. Um, you know, if I, when I point to, I mentioned like the sex, sex ed program. That's a our Israel education program has shifted uh, in a meaningful kind of way as a as a as a result of this. I think that. Culturally, it's also really important. Uh, we have a Beit Midrash in our building that's kind of the center, it's in the middle of an atrium, and uh, we have Machon Siach space that's right next to it. And having uh, groups of teachers, having 15 teachers sitting around together with texts open, um, working through something, I think it becomes part of the feel of uh, it's a student expectation that their teachers are, are learning and that can become a, a topic of conversation with students, but it actually just shapes the feel of um, what the school is like. And I also think that it is empowering to teachers to feel like they can reach out to this professor or that, uh, you know, to, to say I'm exploring this and uh, I uh, I want to be taken seriously in my work around this and i 'm reaching out to you to help me out. Um, I think that that uh, kind of self image I feel um, all the time in a meaningful way from from the teachers who are participating
0: looking to the future uh, where do you see this program growing? where would you like it to go
1: i I would like to I would like to see a um, I guess an increased network of participation between educators and between educators and between educators and different experts in a way that creates a uh, a certain kind of discourse around um, educational practice that's outside of pedagogy. Meaning pedagogy is obviously the most important, and I feel like there is a lot of work that's being done in that in that arena. I find that that they are educational questions that are very interesting. Um, parents don't don't realize it because we don't bring it to them. Uh, educators don't necessarily talk about them. How how do you you know? I, I can bring many examples. I, I teach Gemara, so that's what comes to my mind. Of uh, there is a line in the Gemara that is not uh, hard. To, that if you're in the yeshiva or in academy, you don't struggle with. It. But how do you explain it to a to a 15-year-old it's a really complicated and interesting question that people will have their opinions on. To me, it's about making those kinds of questions, whether they involve camarade or history or uh, sexuality or prayer, that those should be interesting topics of conversation, specifically in terms of uh, how we talk to our kids about it, how we think about it. And that, I think, is a discourse of its own.
0: Excellent. It's a great point to end. So I just want to really thank you for plunging into this first uh, Prisma podcast live. It was an, a, an amazing uh, presentation. I want to thank Josh Gold for leading the discussion and for everyone who who was on this on this event. Um, stay tuned for the next event. It's going to be on Tuesday, January 11th. Again at noon Eastern, we're going to have. Rebecca Ritter, who's the head of teaching and learning at the Sheffa School. Her talk is called An Innovative Model for Teacher Training, The School as Teaching Hospital. Intriguing title. So thank you all for coming. And I hope to see you again at uh, future Prisma Podcast Live.